you just think about the relationships that you have. We have so many different kinds of relationships, right? You've got family. I know some of you have family here with you today. You've got friends. You've got a spouse or a boyfriend or a girlfriend. You've got maybe a fiance. You've got brothers and sisters. And you've got uh, work relationships, coworkers, bosses. You've got the mailman. You've got, I mean, all, all sorts of just different relationships that we have, right? So many different kinds of relationships. And what would happen if your relationships could be better? And we've all got relationships. They make up so much of our life. But what if our relationships could be better? Even just think about maybe right now, what is your most difficult relationship? And you can nudge the person next to you if it's them. Or, but what's your most difficult relationship? What if that relationship could be better? What if the most difficult relationship that you have in some way, and I'm not saying overnight, I'm not saying that it's just, it's, it's your best friend, but what if your most difficult relationship you have, whether that's a family or a friend, or what if that could be better? And what, what if your best relationship that you have, what if the person that is the, the person in your life that is, it's the best relationship that you have, what if that could be better? What if that could be better? I mean, so much would change, wouldn't it? So much stress would change in our lives, so much more joy, maybe more laughter, maybe more sleep at night, maybe more fun, maybe, maybe just more peace inside. I mean, if our relationships, if, if the worst relationships could get better and the best relationships could get better, if that happened, so much would change in our lives. And, and that is possible. That's possible. And it doesn't have to be an accident. Forming good, strong relationships, forming healthy relationships, having relationships that actually bring joy and life into your life, that doesn't have to be an accident. There, there is things that we can do. There are skills that we can learn. There are habits that we can develop. It is possible to grow and improve and have healthy, better relationships. That, that's what we're going to be talking about over the next several weeks. And, and it is possible, no matter where you are, maybe right now in your life, you're just starting new relationships. Maybe you moved here from somebody, some, somewhere else and, and you're kind of starting from scratch. You're kind of saying, okay, maybe you left some relationships and this is brand new for you. And a lot of people in Denver are new and a lot of people in this church are new. And, and maybe building relationships is just kind of brand new. And, and those can get better and you can learn to start them on the right foundation. Or maybe your relationships are just kind of in dire, in dire need. Maybe that's your marriage, or maybe it's your, your kids, or your friendships, or whatever it might be. Maybe your relationships are really, really hard and broken and crumbling right now, and, and you need help. Or, or maybe your relationships you feel like are, are pretty good. Maybe they're, not, maybe they're not crumbling. Maybe they're not brand new. Maybe you've kind of had them now for a while, year and a half, two years, three years, maybe five, and, and you're kind of maybe at that point in your marriage or with your kids or with your friends where you've kind of been around for a while, but, but your relationships, all of our relationships can use help. They can be improved. They can use a, a boost. They can, they can, we can grow and develop in our relationships. Relationships is the core of our life. I mean, they make up so much of our life relationships are the core of our life, which means this, that the quality of your life is going to be determined by the quality of your relationships. The quality of your relationships will determine in so many ways the quality of your life. I don't know anybody that says, all my relationships suck, but life is great. I mean, that doesn't happen, right? I mean, the quality of your relationships will determine the quality of your life in so many ways. And, and this, is, this is something built into us. The fact that our kind of well-being and our quality of life is so connected to our relationships is something that is built into us. It's hardwired into us because the Bible says that we are made in the image of, of God. In the very beginning, it says this, as God was making man and woman, it said, then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. Now, listen, this is really important. Because we, you, you may know this if you're a Christian or if you've just kind of heard this phrasing before, but, but human beings are made in the image of God. And that means a lot of things. It means we're made to represent God and reflect God. It means that we're part of kind of what God's work that he's doing here in the world. It means a lot of things. But you know what part of what it means? It's very important. If we are made like God, if we are made in his image, in his likeness, God, God is an eternal community. The, the way that Christians call this is the Trinity, a tri-unity. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit have existed in eternal community forever, for all time. 
And this is, you see it even right here. It says, let us, look at the plural, let us make man in our image after our likeness. And here's what that means. That in our very DNA, in our very DNA, we are made to need community. If God is community and says, I make you to be like me, it means that we are community people and that we need community. And this is what this means. It means that you will never be fully human without relationships. You'll never experience the fullness of what humanity is supposed to be without close relationships. If we are made to be like God, and God says in the very beginning when he makes us after our likeness in our image to be like us, it means that we will never be fully human without close relationships. It means you will never fully experience what it means to be alive without close relationships. It means we will always be incomplete and lacking in some way without a close, tight community because we are made in God's image. It's, it's what it means to be human. This is why one of the most painful things that there is is to be alone. One of the most painful things any human being can experience is isolation. One of the most painful things you can experience is, is loneliness. That's why even movies like, like the old, it's a classic now, but the old you know, Tom Hanks movie, he's alone on an island by himself. But what does he do? He makes himself a friend. Wilson, good old Wilson. I mean, even, but think about that. Like, I mean, that's kind of silly, right? And we, and it was, but, but there was something, I don't know if you remember the movie, I think like the ball gets deflated or a tiger eats it or something on a, you know, island hazards, and he just is broken, right? Because even though it's just a fake little thing, he, it's, it's, it was his community in some way. And, you know, this is a movie, but this is based on reality. You know, and one of the worst things that can actually happen to a human being is called solitary confinement. And the prison system uses this. This is from, um, this is a thing that Frontline did in April 18, 2017, if you can see the date there. But solitary confinement is when a prisoner is doing something bad, and they, I've known someone that's been in solitary confinement before, and it's awful. You're all by yourself, completely isolated. And why is that? You're already in prison. They think, man, what's, what's a punishment that we can do to you? You're already in prison. Well, let's put you all by yourself. It's the worst of the worst that it, that it gets. And, and, and uh, this is just some of the quotes from this. Solitary confinement has been linked to a range of psychological problems, including depression, hallucination, self-harm, and suicide. We're not made to be alone. We would rather be in prison with other people than alone. Our bodies are not made for it. In fact, the, the UN even has considered solitary confinement to be a form of torture. In 2011, the United Nations Special, uh, whatever that word is, repertoire on torture, uh, I think that they might have had a typo. I think it's reporter on, uh, on torture, Juan uh, Mendez, <laughs> called for an absolute ban on, solit on solitary confinement lasting more than 15 days. So they're saying, man, this is the torture commission says, you know what is torture? You know what is torture? Being alone, being by yourself. Look, this is, this is because we are made in the image of God and the quality of our relationships is the quality of our life and we are built for and need and want and desire and are, are, are like dying and tortured without close connected community. So all, all of that means is we, we, gotta, we gotta get this right. We got to get this right. If the quality of our relationships determine so much, we have to get this right, which is why we're spending some time talking about this. And we're going to talk about all sorts of different skills that are helpful in our relationships. And, and I want you to apply this to whatever, whatever relationship it, you need to. If that's your friendships, if it's, if it's your marriage, if it's your family, if your kids, whatever. I mean, it, it will be foundational to, to whatever relationships that, that are most kind of on your mind and on your heart. So we're going to talk about all sorts of different relationships, and, and you can make different applications to all sorts of different things. But today, we're just going to begin with talking about the church. We're going to begin with talking about the church because that's, that's where we all are today, right? We're, we're all in the church, and you're surrounded in a good way, I hope. You're surrounded by relationships. You're surrounded by people. And, and in the church, the quality of our relationships will often determine the quality of our life and our life in the church. And here, here's what I know. Whether you're a Christian or not, maybe, maybe this is your first time here. Maybe you're new to the city. Maybe you've been here for a long time. Maybe you're just exploring Christianity. Maybe you've been a Christian forever. I mean, there, you, wherever you are, here's what I know. You're interested in community. You're interested in relationships. If you weren't, 
If you weren't, you'd just go home and listen to a sermon online. Or, or whatever. But in some way, you're interested in relationships. In some way, you're interested in community. But here's what I also know. We're also a little unsure. We're also a little unsure. Man, is it really worth it? Do, do I really want that? And, and that's true if you're here just checking stuff out, right? You're checking stuff out, and you heard Sarah get up here and talk about, hey, get in a community group, and there's a part of that that you're like, yeah, I'm interested in that, and another part that's like, ah, I don't know. Or maybe you're in a community group. Maybe you have great friends, but there still is a part of us. There's still a part of us that is unsure how much do I really want to give myself to community. I mean, that's just true, right? You don't need to raise your hand and say, yep, amen, but it's just true, right? We, we are interested in community, but there's still a part of us that is unsure. Do I really want to go all in on this? Do I really want to give myself to this? Do I really want to be a part of that? So today, today we're just going to talk about, is it worth it? Is it worth it? And why is it that we need them? Why do we need, why do we need community, the church? Why do we need it? You're unsure, I know. I mean, I feel unsure at times. Why do we need it? So that's what we're going to talk about today. And to begin with, we just need to ask ourselves this question. What is it that keeps us from community? Why is it that we're unsure? What, what keeps us from jumping all the way in? What, what is it that makes us kind of interested a little bit, but then there's hesitancy, there's resistance, there's slowness? What is it? What keeps us from community? What keeps us from jumping all the way in? And, and maybe this sounds simplistic, but here, here it is. It's hard, right? It's hard. I mean, community, relationships, they're hard. They're really hard. They're really, really hard. And, and the things that we want, the things that we envision, the things that we imagine, the things that, that are even sold to us or presented to us, the things that we want community to be, that we, that we think about, Often it looks like this. These are just some condo uh, ads, apartment ads in the, in the Highlands area right here. <clears throat> so, you know, you, some of you maybe live in a condo or an apartment here. This is how they sell it, right? And you don't have to live in a condo or an apartment just, just to know. This is kind of the, it's TV shows, everything. Like, this is the vision in our head and what we hope it to be and what's sold to us. This is what community is. Um, I don't, if you're looking for an apartment, they have one month free, by the way. So I don't, I don't, maybe I'll get a referral bonus. I don't know. Tell them my pastor sent me. Um, this is another one. Everybody's just having fun on their bikes, right? Wearing sunglasses. This one, more than just a place to sleep, right? Who has ever, like, in, been in this position, you know? I doubt any 25-year-old girl. But anyways, more than just a place to sleep. But, but you don't drive around and look at those banners or you don't look at the websites. You don't see, they don't put up banners that show what community and friendship and even condo living, apartment living is often like. They don't show this. This is just stock photos. I wasn't creeping in a park taking these pictures. Okay. These are just, these are just stock photos of I just typed in like fight, fighting with your friends okay, or, or feeling left out. Like they don't show that, but isn't that part of what friendship often feels like? I mean, isn't this sometimes what friendship feels like? Again, stock photos, okay? I mean, they, they don't talk about the gossip. They don't talk about the slander. They don't, talk about, they don't talk about the betrayal. They don't talk about not getting invited to things. They don't talk about the arguments and the tension. This is my favorite one. I don't know. <laughs> they don't talk about your friend choking you out, right? They, they don't talk about that stuff, but isn't that often like the, the, the vision that we have of, of community is not often what it is. It's hard. Community and friendship and relationship is hard. It really is. And the Bible says this is because each and every one of us are sinners. We're all sinners. This is what Romans says. Paul writes to the church in Rome. There's no distinction. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Very simple, but listen, no distinction. Not those cool, sexy people in those photos. Not your best friend. Not that awesome person that you're hoping. Man, they're the one. They're my soulmate. No distinction. No distinction. There's no distinction. Each and every one of us are sinners. Each and every one of us are sinners. And it's not just that we're sinners in some broad, generic way. I know even the word sin, sometimes we're like, what does that mean? Each one of us are like murderers or thieves. Or, but each and every one of us are self-centered. 
That's often how the Bible talks about what sin is. This is a, a verse that Paul writes to the church in Corinth. He says, he, talking about Jesus, he died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves. Saying, look, Jesus died to make a change in your life because a change is needed in our life. All of us. But you know what that change is? How it could be defined? It's not living for myself any longer. Because that's what the core problem is. That's what sin is. Sin is I live for me. Now, doesn't that cause problems in relationships? If I'm a sinner, if you're a sinner, if there's, look, I've got my issues. I've got my issues and you've got your issues. And the people that you want to live with have their issues. And the people that you want to get married to have their issues. And your kids, they've got issues. And your boss, he's got issues or she's got issues. Everybody has issues, whatever those are. You may struggle with impatience. You may struggle with laziness. You may struggle with uh, just kind of needing people's acceptance so much that you kind of come off smothering or needing people's approval so much that you come off boastful or, or control or what, all sorts of different issues, right? You've got issues and I've got issues. And when we come together, that creates a big issue pie, right? I mean, I don't, it creates creates some issues. This is why when I, when I do weddings, a lot of times, I, what, I, what I will say, and I think, I don't think I made this up. I can't remember. I think I'm, some other pastor said it. I don't know. It's been transferred for years. Maybe Paul came up with it. But the two people stand together, right? And I, I usually look at the guy and I say, look, the only problem with this marriage is you. And everyone kind of laughs. And then I say, and, and you, and look at the girl, right? And the only problem is you and you, because you're both sinful people. People go, oh, how romantic, right? No. <laughs> Oh, if you want me to do your wedding, this is what you're going to get, you know. <laughs> and then I bring out my TV screen on. <laughs> it's, it's, the only problem is you and you. And that's true. Because it's two sinful people coming together. Look, here, here's a definition of community. Here's a, it's, it's sin getting close together. That, that's what friendship is. That's what marriage is. That's what community is. It's, it's sinful people coming close together. And when you bring your issues and I bring my issues, it doesn't minimize the issues. It increases them. Because I've already had issues by myself. And you've already had issues by yourself. And now I bring those issues and you bring your issues. And now I've got issues with you. So there's new issues. It multiplies the issues. It mo Look, this is why reality TV exists. All the way back in the day from the road rules real world to today with the bachelor and the bachelorette and whatever, like reality TV banks on the fact that if you pull people close together, there's going to be drama, right? I mean, they don't go looking around for the, the worst people they can find and say, let's put them together. And, and that way we'll get a good show that people want to watch. They just go find people that they want and they just know, maybe they've read the Bible. They just know if we put people together in close community, there's going to be drama. They just know that. There, how many, I mean, how many seasons of The Bachelor? Bachelor there's been like 93,000 or something. Is that something like that? And there's never been a season. And I don't watch it, right? But there's never been a season. I just know. There's never been a season where all the, the guys or all the gals got together and they just said, hey, how's it going? I'm thinking about marrying that guy. You are? Yeah, me too. Well, let's, we should talk about a strategy together. That's very nice to meet you. That's never happened, right? There's all, I mean, and they've had a ton of seasons. There's always drama and hair pulling and fighting and bleeped out words. And there's always that because we know, we know that if you put people close together, the sin's going to come out. If you put people close together, the drama's going to come out. And, and look, the closer you are, the harder it is. The closer, the closer your relationships are, the harder it is. You know this. Who's the person you probably have the most drama with? If you're married, it's your spouse. It just is. The person you've had the most fights, the person you've probably said the meanest things to, the person you've been the most, is probably the person most close to you. Whether that's your spouse or your kids or your, or your mom or your dad. The closer, I, I, look, I, I've had fights with my kids and my wife and my family way more than anybody else. I never get in an argument with my barber. I mean, I never, I don't have any drama with my barista. We, it, but that, why? Because we're not that close. There's a chair separating us and a counter separating us. The closer you are, the harder it is. The closer you are, the harder it is. This is true of your best relationships. 
So, of course, it's going to be true when you're forming new relationships or, or in the church. So, what keeps us from community? I, I know it's kind of simplistic, but it's just that it's hard. It's hard because you put sinners together. But here's what even compounds it. Here's what even makes it worse. It's that we expect it to be easier. Now, I don't mean we expect all relationships to be easy. Most people know that relationships are difficult. But in the church, which is what we're talking about today, we expect it to be easier. We expect the church in some ways to be some sort of oasis. And, I, and I've heard even some of you and, and people say this through the years, like, man, I hope this can be a safe place or this is a, you know, a safe place to come and a safe place to build relationships. Or sometimes even, sometimes maybe you're new and, and I'm not trying to like pop your bubble, but you know, some, sometimes people come and go, man, everyone there was so nice and everyone there was so friendly and everyone was so, oh man. Okay, yeah, today. <laughs> but just wait. Just wait. Mark this day on the calendar is the one day it was good. I mean, it, 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 we can have this idealized version of what the church is. Even if you've read the Bible, you can think, man, why can't we just be like the early church and the beginning church? And I'm not going to put all these verses up on the screen that talk about this, but you know, in, the, in Acts, the book of Acts in the Bible, when the church first gets started, it, it presents this really beautiful picture in chapter 2. It presents this really beautiful picture of the church getting started and everyone sharing all things in common and they're in their homes and they're eating together and there's awe and there's wonder and they're eating bread and, and it's beautiful. And everyone goes, man, why, why can't we have that? Isn't that what the church is supposed to be? And, and, that, and sometimes people get upset and they think that's the church. But the rest of the Bible, the rest of the Bible, all look, every book that we have in the New Testament Outside of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts, every book that we have is a letter. It's a letter. And it's written to churches because there was drama. We have the Bible because the church was filled with drama. Every single, I mean, and I can't, I'm not going to throw it all up on here, but man, there's people that were racist and there's people that were doing, uh, sleeping with their stepmom and there's people that were getting drunk at communion and there's people that were, I mean, kicking people out of the church that, that weren't even leaders in the church. They were just standing in the front saying, get out, I don't want you here today. I mean, there, there was it's lists and lists of things and every letter that we have is written. No letter, look, there's no letter in the Bible that opens up. Dear church, this is Paul. I heard everything is good. Have a nice day. I love you. Goodbye. <laughs> you would wish that was in there. I just read a book of the Bible. That was inspiring, you know, but that doesn't exist. They're all written because there was drama. They're all written because it, and this is all the way back in the beginning when stuff was the, the golden years or whatever, right? There's always been drama. And so sometimes, sometimes what makes it difficult and sometimes what keeps us from community is it's hard, but our expectations are, oh, it's the church. It's going to be good. I'm reading a book on kind of the founding of America, and, and there was all these different groups that tried to start these different kind of religious utopian societies, and none of it worked. And they started from scratch in a, very, in a, you know, a new country, and they could build it from the ground up, and it never worked. There was always drama. It never worked. I actually heard, I was talking to a pastor this week in Denver that was telling me about a church in Denver, or that was in Denver, and, and the, the whole philosophy behind it was, hey, I'm leaving this church because I've experienced some drama, and I'm going to go to this church, and it's going to be a safe place for me. And everybody in that church, theoretically, that should be an awesome church, right? Because they're the good ones that left all the drama that was happening to them, and so now they found this safe place, and that church doesn't exist anymore because there was drama, you can't get away from it. You can't, and, and maybe you've even felt that here. Like, I'm not talking about, oh, back there and, and Paul's churches had to deal with it. Like, maybe you felt that here. Maybe you came here and you were like, man, this is awesome. I love it. This is great. This is community. It's friendship. It's, and now you're experiencing some drama. And that's right, because we're a biblical church, right? We're just trying to be a biblical church. I mean, that, that is just what it is. Community, what keeps us from it is it's hard. And the closer you get to people, the harder it is. The closer you get, the harder it is. What keeps us from community is it's hard, and we oftentimes expect it in the church to not be hard. And so sometimes we even think, like, man, maybe I'm going to go somewhere where it's easier. And, and maybe even from a church standpoint. And let me just tell you this. You can leave relationships, and it will get easier until you're known again. 
you can leave your marriage and it will get easier until you start a new relationship. You can leave your church and join a new one and it will get easier until you get known again. See, relationships are all difficult. And maybe you even think, man, but I had a time in my life where relationships were easy. Maybe, but a lot of times we look back and romanticize. Man, I, I've known people, I've known people that I, I knew at this point in their life and then I knew again years later and they talked about the old days like they were awesome and I had to remind them, no, they weren't. No, you were in an abusive relationship. What are you talking about? But it's so easy to romanticize. It's so easy to romanticize what, what was back there and color it. And, and maybe you even go visit old friends and go, no, see, it was awesome over the weekend. Yeah, but you're not in life with them. Anytime you spend a weekend with someone, it's awesome. Anytime. I mean, who's going to show up on a weekend and be like, hey, let's have some drama? I mean, of course it's going to just be all good. Or maybe you've got relationships that aren't built on what Christianity is. And so you don't ever have to speak truth to people, and they don't ever care about what you're doing, and you don't care about what they're doing, and, and it's all just easy because it's shallow. But, the but look, is that true within your marriage? I mean, the closer relationships are, the closer relationships are, the closer they are, the more real they are, the harder they are. So community is difficult. Community is difficult, and what keeps us from it is it's hard. We expect it to be easy. But, but look, let's just be honest about that. Let's just be honest about it. I mean, I love that the Bible's really honest about this. I love that you read the Bible, and it's filled with drama in the church because it's just honest. It gives us the freedom to say, it's hard. Like, that is freeing to be able to go, man, it's, it's difficult. It's challenging. It's rough. It's hard. So we can just be honest about that because if you feel like your relationships, even here, if you feel like they're hard, if you feel like they're difficult, the Bible says, you bet, it is. And it's also good news because that means God sees it. It's not outside of his plan. It's not outside of his power. It's not outside of what he uses. It's not outside of even his intentions. He sees it. So sometimes, sometimes we just don't want to deal with it, right? Sometimes we just don't want to deal with it. We know the closer we get, the harder it is. So we keep our relationships casual. We keep them a little bit surface or we don't engage. So is it worth it? I mean, I'm telling you all the depressing news. Is it, is it worth it? Why should we really bother with it at all? Why, why, do we, why do we need it? Is it worth it? Why do we need it? Because the Bible says that we do. And, and, and let me give you a couple, there's all sorts of reasons, and we'll talk about more of this through the coming weeks, but let me just give you a couple foundational things. See, if you're a Christian, and even if you're not a Christian, this is probably still why you're here, is, is you hope this in some way might be true, and you're curious if it might be true. But if you're a Christian, or you're interested, if, if you're a Christian, there's things in life we hope to experience from God. You may hope to experience the love of God. You may hope to experience God's grace. Maybe, maybe you've done things and you hope, man, is there really forgiveness available for me? And you might hope to experience a removal of your shame and, and, and really have a sense of worth and value. You may, may hope to experience God's comfort and God's peace. And you may hope to experience the joy of God and, and your life is kind of hard and maybe it's boring and, and you want to experience joy and passion and purpose. Maybe you want to experience from God a sense of steadfastness and endurance so that you know, man, life is going to get hard, but I'm going to be able to make it because God's with me. You want to be able to experience a sense of God's presence. And there's things that we want to experience from God. And oftentimes, the way that we try to go about that is we try to read the Bible, try to pray, try maybe to get a book and read about God's peace or the joy of God or and maybe we maybe we even see a counselor and someone to help us kind of talk through some of those things or all sorts of different things we might try but it's still elusive we don't we don't feel like we grasp onto it and a lot of times that's because we're doing it by ourselves but see what the bible says is this the Bible says that all that is offered in life with God, 
All that's offered in life with God that you might want to experience, all that's offered, joy and peace and grace and comfort and and his presence and all that's offered in life with God is mainly offered through other people. It's mainly experienced through other people. See, here's what the Bible says. The Bible says that the church is the body of Jesus. Here's how Paul says it. He says, now you, talking to the church, you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. Now, let me, let me show you what this means. And I brought someone to help me with this, okay? <laughs> I've had this in my garage for a while, just waiting <laughs> for the right time. Now, here's what this means. Here's what this means. Think about if, if you could go up to the body of Jesus. Like, wouldn't that be awesome? Whatever you're going through right now, what, I mean, look, you had something hard in your week. Wouldn't it be great if you could just slump down on the couch next to Jesus and be like, hey, man, you're kind of short, but we need to talk, you know? <laughs> I mean, wouldn't it, wouldn't it be nice to, to be able to, I mean, sometimes you feel this, right? Man, God, speak to me. Wouldn't it be nice if Jesus could speak to you? Wouldn't it be nice if you could be in the presence of Jesus? You say, I, I'm, I'm dealing with this thing at work. Can you, do you have some wisdom? Or maybe you're struggling with something. Hey, I need, I need some comfort, Jesus. I mean, wouldn't that be awesome if you could have the body of Jesus? But see, there's a lot of things that we want from Jesus. We want him to speak to us. We want his comfort. We want, we want his help. We want to experience his grace. We want to experience his forgiveness. There's a lot of things that we want from Jesus, or you might even hope or wish, man, I wish I could have this with him, but we separate from the body. We separate from the body. See, you're a part of the body, is what he says. And over here, you might want to hear God speak, but he's over there. You might want to hear, you might want to experience God's comfort, but he's over there. You might go, I want to know your presence, and he's over there. You might say, life is hard, and God, I don't feel like you're there, and it's because you've pulled away. God, I need wisdom in my life, and you're by yourself trying to think through decisions. You see, what the Bible says is that if you want to experience the body of Christ, the presence of Christ, it's not you alone in your room. It's not you alone in your head. Look, you already know this, because let me ask you, when's the time you most felt the love of God in your life? Look, I'm sure somebody says, I was by myself, and I saw a beautiful sunrise, and I knew God loved me. I'm sure somebody says that. But most people, myself included, most people, You're going to say the time I most felt the love of God, it was when I was struggling and a friend came over. Or or when's the time you most felt God's grace for you? Maybe you were reading your Bible. Maybe you were singing a song. But probably, probably a friend said, I forgive you. Probably the time you most felt God's comfort was when you were suffering and a friend came over. Probably the time that you most felt like God changed you and you grew wasn't just you listened to a sermon and went home and applied it. It was probably a friend that said, bro, sis, girl, whatever, there's something in your life that needs to change. And, And your eyes were opened and you said, Oh, man, yeah, how could I have missed that? And you grew spiritually. And maybe that's been a while. I don't know, but, but what the Bible says is if, if you want to experience all that's offered in life with God, you need the very body, the very presence of Jesus. But you don't get that by yourself. You don't get that by yourself because... God says, here, Jesus, he left, right? He came to the earth, he died, he was crucified, he rose, and he ascended. And he said, now I send my spirit, and it indwells the church. And so if you want to encounter me today, it's the church. I think I'll move him over here. (laughs) 
You see, if you want to experience all that's offered in life with God, it comes through, comes through community. Here's what this means. Faith, belief is not enough. Your belief is not enough. And here's what I mean. God doesn't just want you to believe that he's there. God doesn't just want you to believe that he loves you. God doesn't just want you to believe that he is a God of comfort or a God of mercy or a God that forgives. God doesn't want you just to believe that. God wants you to experience that. God doesn't want you to just have this relationship where you're down here and he's up there somewhere. He wants you to live in and experience all that's true about him. I love how John says this. He he writes to the church and says, Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. And listen, no one has ever seen God. You haven't seen God, but if we love one another, God abides or God lives in us. And his love is per- his love is perfected in us. See, this is saying, look, you can't see God. You can read about God. You can hear about God. There's things that you can say you know about God, but none of us have seen him. But you know how it's made, you know how who he is is made visible? You know how who he is comes alive? You know how God actually begins to live with us? Which wouldn't that be awesome? It's through one another. It's through one another. See, whatever you want to experience from God, God says we need each other. We need each other. He works through us. So we need community because if you want to experience life with God, you need it. But second of all is we need community because God wants to help you. God wants to help us. Look, your life is hard. I know that. I mean, maybe it's easy today, but I just know life is hard, right? Life is hard. Thank you. And being a Christian is hard. Following Jesus is hard. And staying a Christian, persevering, not following, that's hard. You know that. It is hard. It's hard. The problem is this. The problem is the way we often deal with that or the way we even think about what it means to be a Christian. Like, what do we think a Christian is? If I asked you, what is a Christian? Probably the most common answer that someone would say is, I have a personal relationship with Jesus. In fact, this term, personal relationship with Jesus, this is a tool you can use on Google that tracks the usage of words or phrases. This is 1800. This is 2000. What you see is personal relationship with Jesus has a huge spike over the last few decades. But that's not the way the Bible talks about relating to God. The way the Bible talks about what it means to be a Christian, the, Bible ta- the way the Bible talks about what it means to relate to God is not your personal relationship with Jesus. That's a new thing that a bunch of hippies invented. You see it spike in the 60s, okay? So if you're that old, it's your fault. No, I'm not. But we really carried it away, right? You see, millennials were like, yes, an individual relationship? Yes, I love it. But that's not what the Bible talks about. It's a family relationship. It's a community. This is how the Bible uses the language. Listen, listen to all the plural stuff, the corporate stuff. You are a chosen race. And he's not talking about a specific race of people. He's saying you, the people of God, that have the blood of Jesus in your veins. You're a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. The church is a nation, a people. You're a people for his own possession that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, that was the bad news. Not once you didn't have a personal relationship, once you were not a part of a family. Now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have. You see, this is what it means to even be a Christian. God wants to help. We need community because it's how we experience life with God, but also because God wants to help us with what's going on in our life. God wants to help us with the things happening in our life. Look, you you might even think it's kind of Christian to say, I don't need anybody but God. Or you might even feel bad about yourself, feeling like I should be able to do this with just me and God. Why do I need other people? Either way, it's it's often why we we think it's supposed to just be us, which is often, look, this this is the crazy and horrible and sad thing. 
oftentimes when life is the hardest, we say, I need some time by myself. Oftentimes when, when suffering picks up in our life or when things are crazy or busy or hard, we say, man, I just need some me and God time. And I'm not saying there's no, look, solitude, silence, you just praying with Jesus, those are all awesome and amazing things that you need. But the core of what Christianity is, is a family that we are a part of. And what the Bible says is that when you are going through the roughest times of your life, if your instinct is to pull away, you don't understand who God is or what he wants to do in your life or how he wants to help you. See, we, God wants to help you in your life. He wants to help us. And so he gives us a family. Look, this is God. God says, God says to us, I'm not enough for you. God says to us, I'm not all you need. God says that to us. God says, you need more than just me. You need more than just me. You need my people. Here's another verse that talks about this. It says, talking about the body again, God arranged, and look at how God is the one that made this. God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there's many parts, yet one body. And then listen, the eye cannot say to the hand, and he's talking about people, the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. I have no need of you. Nor again, the head to the feet, I don't need you. The body can't say, I don't need you. Life is hard, I need myself. Life is hard, I just need God. He says, you can't say that because God is the one that arranged it this way. God designed it this way because he knows we need a family. He knows that we need each other. God says he wants more for us than just a personal relationship. He wants us to be a part of a family. Life is hard. Following Jesus is hard. And if we, if, if we want to experience help, if we want to endure, if we want to last, the thing that we most need is a family. See, because what a family does, what a community does, is it shapes you and it forms you. You know, the communities that you have been the closest to have shaped you, right? Your parents. Your parents, that family shaped you. If you don't think so, get married and, and then you'll go, whoa, we have different families. So things, different ways, right? Like for my wife, 4th of July, is, it's, the big, it's bigger than Christmas. It's like her siblings flew into her parents' house for the 4th of July. This is 4th of July. Like for me, 4th of July was my friends trying to blow up outhouses with like illegal fireworks. <laughs> that was my 4th of, you know, if this is not being recorded. No. <laughs> I think there's a statute of limitations. But different families have different values. Different families have different values. And that shapes you. You become who you are because of your closest relationships. That's true in all sorts of things. You become part of who you are because of your closest relationships. It's interesting. There's a big study done on this in the church, talking about people that are in community groups or like small groups or however you want to call them, and people that are not, and how that forms and changes you. Let me, let me show you this. You might not, if you're in, only the front row gets to read it. So next time, sit in the front row. Um, li listen to some of these. It says, I, I won't read you all of them, but I, I am intentionally putting my spiritual gifts to use serving God and others. If they didn't attend a group, 42% said yes. If they attended a group four times a month, 73% said yes. Look at that. It's a huge change. Almost a 30% a 30 change. A 30% change because they were in a group. It forms you. It changes you. I intentionally try to get to know new people I meet at church. 37 Verses 67. It's a huge change. Why? It didn't say how awesome these people were. It just said because they were in a group, there's something that forms them and changes them to be a different kind of person. Throughout the day, I find myself thinking about biblical truths. You, you want God to be more real in your life? You want to be thinking about God throughout your week and throughout your day? 45 verses 74. Again, that's a huge jump. Most of these are a 30% jump. Spiritual matters do not tend to come up as a normal part of my daily conversations with other Christians. It means, look, yeah, I might go to church, but I'm not really talking about people that are Christians, about God, about spiritual things. 38, 19. 
I don't understand that one. Um, maybe, <laughs> I don't know. I, sh- I should Yeah, there you go. Okay. Yeah, there we, there we go. I need, to look at, I need to look at the fine print on that one. <clears throat> or look at this, spiritual disciplines. Spiritual disciplines. Reading the Bible. 27 verse 67. Maybe you go, man, I would really like to read my Bible. I think that would be a good idea. What forms you to be the kind of person that does that is being with other Christians. Praying, studying the Bible, praying in a group with other Christians, praying for other fellow Christians, praying for the spiritual status of people I know who are not Christians, confessing my sins and asking for forgiveness. All of these, huge jump. All of those a huge jump. Why? You know why? Because community forms you. It shapes you. It changes you. The kind of person you are is not mainly going to become based on the books that you study, the sermons that you listen to. It's mainly going to be the people that you commit yourself to. I can tell you who you will be five years from now based on your closest relationships, based on the people that you give yourself to. That's who you will be formed to be like. So, why do we need community? It's how we experience life with God. And it's, it's how we experience the help that God wants to give us in our life. Whatever you are going through, God wants to help you. He wants to help you. So let me close with this. What does this mean for how we approach community? What does it mean? If this is true, here's what it means. It means we will not thrive without community. It means that there's things that God wants to do in your life. There's joy he wants to bring into your life. There's change he wants to bring into your life. There's help he wants to offer you in your life. There's decisions that you're trying to make that God wants to help you with. There's sins that you're wrestling with that God wants to help you with. There's hurts and pains that you have that God wants to help you with, but you won't be able to experience it apart from community. It means there's stuff that God wants for you to know about him. And stuff God wants to do in you and through you that you can't experience without him and him through his church. And it means this. It means not just casually. It means not just casually. See, the closer you get to people, the more you experience what God wants for you. The closer you get, the harder it is. But the closer you get, the more you get close to what God wants to do in you and for you and through you. See, God wants to bring about change in your life. He wants to love you and serve you and for you to experience all that's offered in life with him. But that happens as you connect in an intimate way such that you say, this is the body. I was going to look this up and I didn't, but, but I think it's true, so it must be. Um, <laughs> That's what we believe, right? Um, it's true for me. Um, is that if, I, I think every part of the body is connected. You know, because we've got nerves running through and there's blood. Like, I don't think there's any part of the body that's just like, I'm just kind of by myself. I'm not connected to any nerve endings. I'm not connected to any synapses or, or what. I, I think every part is connected. That's what it means to be a part of the body. Like, it's not just this casual, okay, yeah, 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 I'm, you know, that's why I like the study, other than that one fluke, but I like the study, because it says that it it wasn't just, hey, those that say, yeah, I'm in a group, and kind of show up once, it said four times a month, those were the ones that experienced that, and the point of that is just the closer you are connected to people, the more intimately, like a body, you're connected is when you experience what we're talking about, so this is what it means for how we approach community. It means you need it, and you need it in a deep way. So what does that mean for you? Maybe if you're not in a community group, maybe that means you join a community group. If you're in a community group, but it's just kind of like, yeah, I'm kind of there. I mean, if you want to experience what God wants for you, what does it look like to really go in? What does that mean for you? Maybe it means what is it that you're handling on your own? What are you just trying to say? This is between me and God. This is just between me and God. No, it's not. Maybe it means you need to talk to someone in your community group about what you're struggling with, what is hurting in your life, where you need help. Maybe it means you need to be and do this for others. This is, I mean, here's what it means also. 
It means, man, if this is how God says I love people and how I serve people and how they experience my presence, it means you really matter. It's not just about what you can get. It means you really matter. God wants to work through you. God wants to to let other people know who he is through you. Because maybe you say, no, my life is great. I don't really need relationships. And and that might be true for some small season of your life where you just kind of feel everything's great. But God wants to work through you to let other people know his love through you and other people know his comfort through you. It means it really matters, which means we must commit to grow in this. And that's part of what this series is going to be talking about. So why community? Is Is it really worth it? I know we wonder that. I know we wonder, is it really worth it? It's difficult. It's hard. The Bible says it is. That this is what Jesus actually came for. It's what Jesus died to give us. We'll close with this verse. Paul says, when the fullness of time had come, God had this plan all along. God sent forth his son. Jesus came to this earth. Born of a woman. Born under the law to redeem. That is to buy. That is to make his. To redeem those who were under the law. So this is as, look, from the very beginning of time, God had a plan to send Jesus to this earth to redeem people. For what? So that we might receive adoption. So that we, it's not a personal relationship, so that we might receive adoption. Not so that we might receive an individual relationship, so that we might be a part of a family. The very reason that Jesus came, the very reason that Jesus died, is it worth it? Jesus died to give it to you. Is it worth it? Jesus died to give you a new family. Which means we should look to him to define what it looks like. It means we should look to him to empower us to live in it. And it means it's worth it. If God would give his son to give us a family, if Jesus was willing on the cross to let his perfect community be broken with God, saying, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? If Jesus was willing to let his perfect community be broken so that we could have it, it might be hard, but it's worth it. It's worth it. And to fully experience what he bought for us, we must push in. So when we come to take communion, this is what we remember, not just some individual relationship that Jesus has given to us, but we come together. It's called communion which is, it's community. We're coming together, having a communion with God and each other. We, we don't all have our own bread. We share together as one family, the family that God bought to give to us. So pray with me. Father, I thank you that you love us and, and you've given us a family. And we know, God, that it's hard and it's not perfect and, and it's broken and, and, and there's all sorts of issues and tension and sin. We know that, God. But we thank you for the gift of this family that you've given to us. We thank you that you have adopted us into your family. So help us, God, even over the next several weeks, help us to grow together as a community and experience what you have for us. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen.